Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of Wonderfield Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. I want to start this episode by sending love to every person who is listening today as we continue to navigate these unprecedented, uncertain times. And I want to take a moment to thank each and every essential employee for their bravery, selflessness, and determination as they continue to work tirelessly to keep us safe and to keep the world spinning. Thank you to the first responders, nurses, doctors, healthcare and medical staff, civic service employees, farmers, grocery store employees, factory workers, truck drivers, delivery personnel, postal workers, mail carriers, sanitation workers, utility workers, police officers, military personnel, and to the teachers and parents who are working around the clock to look after not only the safety of our children, but also protecting the hearts and minds of our youth during this time. I apologize as I know there are many other integral personnel that I have missed. So I will just say, thank you to the helpers. You are the true heroes of this world and your hard work does not go unnoticed or unappreciated. Simply put, thank you. We are forever grateful. During the remaining weeks of the shelter in place order, I plan to launch a series of episodes called the Life Series. By this I mean, I wanna spotlight people whose stories inspire me. While it may seem like people are so different and like we aren't globally connected, there are commonalities we as the human race share. Sadly, one of them being struggle. It may look different from person to person, but we all face challenges in life. How we approach these obstacles is what defines us and helps write our story. We all have a story to share. We have all faced adversity and we have all had to decide how we would attack it. That's where the life series comes in. I wanna hear and connect and unify. During a time where it's easy to feel lost, alone and disconnected, I am here to remind you and myself that we are more alike than we may think. And by leaning in and looking at the lives of others and listening to their stories, we may just find those common threads that bind us. Today is episode one of the Life Series, and it is entitled Life After Miscarriage. On today's episode, I am joined by my very best friend of 15 years, Jen Diaz. Jen and I are going to speak to the topic of fertility. We have both faced obstacles on our journeys towards motherhood and we both agree that it is a topic that needs more light shed on it. So in the spirit of opening up a line of dialogue and starting a conversation that needs to be had, we are going to share aspects of our family planning journeys with you all today. While everyone's family planning journey is unique to them, there is room for connection and relatability. And in recent years, there have been many people working tirelessly towards unifying this community and ending the stigma around infertility. Today, we hope to do our part to normalize these types of conversations. Please enjoy this episode of Wonderfilled Week. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Wonderfilled Week. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. This is a long time coming. I know. I've been waiting for my moment. And this is the perfect to topic to for us. I said, Jen and I have been best friends for 15 years. We went to college together. Um, we've been best friends for so many phases of life. Um, and I was just waiting for the right topic to come up because we could discuss anything. We could discuss what, like maintaining female friendships, maintaining friendships when there's a distance, maintaining friendships when you're in different phases of life than one another. But I said, I'm going to wait until something organically comes up that Jen can speak to eloquently and from experience. And when I started the life series, I just knew that if Jen was uh, open and willing to talk about this, that she would be the perfect person to have on. So you are kicking off the life series and thank you so much for being here. 
Well, thank you for starting with me. I hope yeah. I do it justice. Couldn't have started with a better gal. So let's go in with question one. So can you give us a brief overview of what your journey towards motherhood has looked like up until this point, and then we'll dive in. Okay. Um, so Mike and I were married. Mike's my husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we were married for a couple of years. Um, he wanted to start having kids very soon. Um, I kind of pushed it a little bit. I wanted to do stuff. We traveled. We had, you know, we got things out of the way. I went to school. Um, I got my master's nurse practitioner. Um, in the middle of that, we decided, you know, let's start trying to have kids. Um, I got off my pill, uh, the birth control, and I was having a lot of irregular periods, but, you know, that's kind of normal if, if you've been on it for a while. Um, and so, you know, I went to my GYN, I told her about it, you know, she, she, uh, did some blood work, checked hormone levels, thyroid, cause that could throw your, your cycles off, uh, while you're not getting pregnant. Um, and then finally decided to put me on Clomid, which kind of induces, um, ovulation. Uh, so for people who don't ovulate regularly, it kind of helps. So you take like five pills a month for your cycle. We did that for like five or six months, still didn't get pregnant. She's like, well, there's not much else like I do for you here. She actually did one uh, test um, where she looked to make sure my fallopian tubes were open. Um, an HCG, HSG, I think it's called. Um, not pleasant, but my tubes were open. She's like, you know, I really don't know what else to do for you. Um, I sent my husband for a semen analysis and then said, you know, go to a reproductive endocrinologist. So that we met, I got... They refer me to um, an office and another a coworker actually used him. He came highly recommended um, and we liked him off the bat. He did blood work, genetic testing for both of us, another semen analysis, um, other ultrasounds, looking to see, you know, is there anything blocking, anything that could be causing it. And really not much came up. Um, so we had a huge consult, we decided on IUI, which is basically insemination. You uh, take some meds, you do a trigger shot to induce ovulation, and then they basically just do semen up and hope for the best. So we did one week after they do that, um, you go in for a blood work, ultrasound, make sure that you really did ovulate. And then a week after that, you do blood work again to see if you're pregnant. And we had to do it three times. The third time was a charm. And we got pregnant with our beautiful daughter, Juliet. Juliet. Um, the light of our life. So that was everything. I mean, she answered all our dreams. And so, you know, we, we did want another child. So we waited until a little bit after her first birthday. Um, it was important to me that my kids were close. Um, growing up, I really only had my sister. She's two years younger than me, um, one of my sisters. Um, and we, you know, we didn't have many, we grew up in a condo complex. There wasn't a lot of kids. I didn't have any first cousins. Um, as you grow older, you know, I grew up with some second cousins, but you grow apart and it, it I, I just felt it was really important to her to have a sibling. So we started trying and actually got pregnant naturally after two months, which is a huge shock. That was and so we surprising, in, right? You were shocked. Oh my God shocked i mean i could not believe it i just you know i mean after we were after you have a, a baby usually so, most women actually their their cycles a lot of them go back to normal where mine was crazy beginning before i got pregnant it actually was good so it was and i knew what to look for i knew what we had to do and i was just i was very shocked but very happy 
but unfortunately went in for our eight-week ultrasound, you know, to check for a heartbeat, and unfortunately there was none, mm. um, which was as devastating as I can't even put into words. Yeah, there are um, no words, and I'm sure that anyone who's listening, of course, if the title of this episode caught their attention to join us, to listen to this episode, they must have some personal connection, you know, um, to yeah. miscarriage. And so, of course, I'm sure everyone is shaking their head along with you, just like totally feeling in your pain and just understanding that that loss. Yeah, you you don't. I just say, I mean, I've heard of friends having miscarriages in the past, and you, it breaks your heart for them. But to really truly experience it and know that the the life that you made, that your future child is no longer in an instant, like literally the ground opens underneath you, and you're in just a, you don't even know what to do. It was, I can't even put it to words. Right. It's like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and they come so back to back. And especially with everything you went through, you just described what, like, so many things you went through to get Juliet. And so then you're thinking, wow, like, the tide has really turned, and I got pregnant naturally, and it's like the highest of high. You didn't even probably dream that was possible after everything you went through, because it tends to make you a little bit more cynical or scared and fearful you think you're gonna have to do the same thing again so it's like that highest of high to have the natural pregnancy and then just like exactly how you described it like the ground just comes from underneath you and it's just debilitating it really was I mean there is no I mean honestly it was it sounds awful I was very excited about the pregnancy but I was also very excited that I didn't have to try to get pregnant anymore because it was such when you go through it and we didn't even go that long trying to get pregnant to get Juliet. I mean, it was over a year, but nothing compared to a lot of people. But it was, you just, it becomes so, such a chore and like just things you have to check off and do and keep track of that it was just nice not to have to even worry about that. Right. You know, you have that unique experience of of doing both, right? I mean, you went through it all and then you did it naturally. So you can, you've approached pregnancy both ways. So when you had Mm -hmm. that second pregnancy and after Juliet and you thought, okay, I got to experience it this way, where you get to be surprised, where you get to take the pregnancy test, where you get to tell your husband, like, oh my gosh, like, who knew? You know, you got to do it both ways, so you have a very unique voice in this, you know, in this subject. Yeah, it was definitely a a different experience, but you don't have someone calling you, telling you you're pregnant, like you take a a test. And I had vowed, I've taken so many negative pregnancy tests, so many, that I vowed that I would never take one again until I knew it was definitely going to be positive, so... I waited days. I actually was going through something at work and I thought I was just making myself late. So we were given a choice by the doctor, three options really, um, to have a DNC, which is they dilate and they remove, you know, unfortunately the dead baby um, from your uterus under a general anesthesia. Um, They can let it pass naturally or they can give you medication that causes, you know, intense pain and you have a miscarriage at home. And they recommend doing over the weekend when you don't have to work. Um, and for me, as a nurse practitioner who has to see patients, personally, I chose to have a DNC. I didn't think I could handle passing my baby um, and finding it in the toilet. And I definitely didn't. I'm a very anxious person by nature and not knowing when something was going to happen, if it was going to interfere with work, with me taking care of my daughter. I, I elected to have the DNC, which was a whole mess in itself where I'm writing a huge letter to my husband and my daughter to open, God forbid something happens to me and Mm -hmm. freaking out because my daughter was only 18 months at the time and they don't have memories of you until they're three. And it was all this stuff going through my head. So it was tough. But um, what 
um, made it even more difficult at the time. Um, my sister-in-law was also pregnant and two weeks ahead of me that I, you know, her due date would have been two weeks earlier than mine. So that was just, we decided not to tell her. So that was, um, something that in retrospect, I, I wish I did, but, um, that was just something else on top of everything. Um, just going through the milestones that I should have been experiencing while, but fast forward, um, six months later, we got pregnant again and I was six weeks pregnant and I started spotting at home and I called, it was Friday night. I called my OBGYN's office waiting for someone on call. They didn't call back. I called again in frantic tears and, you know, she, she reassured me. She goes, you know, this could be nothing. I spotted with my child and everything was fine. We'll have call your office for an ultrasound on Monday. So that's what we, I did took me in and they really didn't see anything. So, you know, a baby really didn't form. I was pregnant, but it didn't develop. Something happened in the beginning. So basically I just had a really, really heavy period and had to, you know, pass everything at home, you know, <laughs> broke me even more. I'm listening to you and I, I lit, you know, I, I was, I feel like I was with you, you know, in heart side by side with yeah. you while you were going through all of these steps, but hearing it back, you know, it's so emotional yet again, uh, reliving yeah. it. And also I'm just realizing, like, I never put this together before. You're actually like once again in a unique situation because before we were saying, um, you went through so many uh, procedures to have Juliet. You've done a, um, you got pregnant naturally, um, and then miscarriage with a DNC, and now miscarriage with passing. So you've really gone through a lot of the different elements of yeah. fertility. Like you've yeah. really experienced yeah. a lot of it firsthand. Some of us just read all the different types online, or in a book, yeah. or hear it on a podcast. But you personally have experienced all these things, and I think. You're so used to your story because it's your story. But when you say mm-hmm. things like, you know, you called on a Friday and you had to wait till Monday, like, God, I can only imagine what that Saturday and Sunday felt like, you know, waiting for the ultrasound yeah. on Monday. Like, we gloss over it, right? Because it's painful and, and we put it behind us. But mm-hmm. it just really, when you're living it, it's it's wild. It, yeah. Time has, time stands still. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was not, not fun to experience in the least. So we waited a few minutes, got through the, cause that was end of October. Um, so we waited until after the holidays, January, decided to go back to our fertility specialist. Um, more work, blood work this time, wondering why I had uh, recurrent miscarriage instead of not even be able to get pregnant. Um, and some clotting factor popped up. They had a, then they had to redo it to make sure that it wasn't a fluke. So that was another 12 weeks. And again, it was elevated, so I had to get a consult to a hematologist. But of course, in the middle of all this, um, coronavirus. <laughs> it was so just getting a little. Closed. It was getting a little boring, yeah. you know. We just had to spice it, it up. We had to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> yep. So no one would. Um, <laughs> so no one would see me. So I contact. Finally, found a hematologist that would do telehealth, and then, but my, you know, fertility office was so close. <laughs> So it's been, um, you know, they're finally starting to reopen. We actually today had the last before starting IVF consult. Um, we did decide that we were going to do IVF. Um, can't really find a true reason why I'm miscarrying a ton. Um, the bottom line, I think, is I'm just, I have old eggs. I'm an old lady. So <laughs> that can't be the I case. Have an old soul, so. 
you're an old soul, but you're a young body. Like this has been happening since our, our twenties. This is just, I know. It wasn't like, um, and you know, and it varies from person to person, right? I mean, you're going to see women in their 40s getting pregnant naturally. You're going to see women in their 20s going through IVF. I mean, there's just no yeah. rhyme or reason to it. But you would just yeah. think an otherwise healthy woman in her 20s, you know, expanding her family yeah. wouldn't be so difficult. But here we both are. And as, you know, with yeah. millions of other women of varying ages um, across the board, and, and we're not alone, but a lot of times we feel alone because as you and I have discussed many times, this isn't talked about so freely and openly. Um, so now that in the midst of Corona, I'm just like wondering where you'll go from here, but I, you'll, you're just going to take it one day at a time. So did you do your appointment telemed today? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we saw on telehealth, but they are starting to see people, which is promising. But you know, yeah, I asked them, you know, what happens if this comes back around second wave or, you know, someone gets sick and he says we close and it stops. So, yeah, you know, that's, we have that fear. I do. I have been, it's been heavy on my heart to think about women um, who were either, you know, just beginning a round of IVF or in the middle of it or just, you know, taking that next step in their fertility journey and then coronavirus yeah. hits and either one of a few things you just have to stop and not begin it and you were just getting the, the courage up to do it again um or you're in the middle of it and now it's difficult to continue on and you're stuck in the middle of a, of a cycle or you're just like about to begin a cycle and things are looking promising and like you said you just don't know if there'll be a second wave and if things could just get cut off again and it's like another loss yeah. and another hurdle another obstacle um in addition to yeah. the already difficult situation that you're facing yeah i mean it's if this wasn't hard enough to have to do, you throw this on. And yes, I mean, a lot of people are going through it, but it doesn't make it any, you know, easier at all. Right. You know, I mean, you could, you can make a, a case for anything, but it's, it's just the fear of the unknown. And as you know, very well, I, I like to plan and, and control and. <laughs> oh girl, you are speaking my language. Cause I am just the same. Um, I love to plan, we but work so well living together. I know we were just like perfect college roommates. If everything could just be that easy yet again, I would just go back. <laughs> I know a little um, bit of SPU and popcorn and garlic bread. Yeah. Oh gosh. Simpler times. Don't tempt me with a good time, girl. I will risk my <laughs> life and do a cross country road trip right now to your house. <laughs> um, Doors always open. So to give people a, a little bit of a, I don't think I've really shared about my journey so much, but um, just to yeah. sort of like compare, Jen and I are same age um, and we just have very different journeys uh, in terms of our family planning and fertility, whereas Jen was, um, you know, surprised to come into uh, obstacles and complications that she wasn't necessarily expecting. I have a different, a little bit of a different um, experience. My husband has cystic fibrosis, which I've mentioned many times on this podcast, and he's actually going to be coming on in a few weeks. Um, but since I was 20 years old and with my husband, I knew that he had CF, and I knew that one aspect of CF was going to be um, infertility because for most men with CF, um, infertility you know, for 97 to 98% of men with CF are going to be infertile because of a blockage or absence of the sperm canal, um, you know, because they're missing the vas deferens. The sperm never makes it into the semen, which makes it impossible for it to reach and then fertilize the egg through natural intercourse. So I always knew that in order to expand our family, I was going to have to do um, fertility treatments. So I don't know um, if knowing <laughs> made it any easier. Um, you know, it's just like, it's just like a fingerprint, right? It's unique. Everyone's journey is unique and different. Uh, although Jen and I are facing a lot of the same struggles, questions, concerns, uh, obstacles, 
and we're going through many of the similar treatments. Um, it's for different reasons, and we're going to have different outcomes. It's never going to be sort of the same. But one thing that Jen and I always uh, talk about and, and think is that even though our journeys are different, there's some commonalities, you know. We both want to expand our families. We both want to, wanted to be moms. Jen is an amazing mom to Juliet. Um, but we both don't feel like our, our family is complete yet, um, and we want to continue, you know, to expand. And I just... Um, I don't know, like there'll be some people who know going into their marriage, there'll be some people who are surprised in their marriage and it's just different, but you know, everyone's pain is valid, everyone's journey is yep. valid and unique and it should be talked about and as uh, you know, counterintuitive as it sounds, everyone's journey should be celebrated because we're all every day waking up and trying again. We're, mm-hmm. we're you know, anyone who's familiar with fertility treatments know we're, we're going through physical poking and prodding, tons of testing, tons of genetic testing, screening, blood work, needles. We're going through the whole gamut. And, you know, Jen's a nurse practitioner, which is another amazing quality of Jen. So she's very familiar with that, where, you know, with needles and, and medical and, and all the stuff that makes my, you know, makes me queasy. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's just going to be all different types of people. It's like not because just because you're a nurse practitioner doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers and know right away. And you're going to be like quick path to, to motherhood. And, and just as the same as someone who has no experience with children or medical or anything, you know, it just, there's no way to tell, you know? Um, so we're just sending love to everyone who's on a similar yet unique journey of their own. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, regardless of whether, you know, walking into it or not, doesn't make it any easier. Um, the journey's still hard regardless. And I also think, um, that I was naive, like, you know, Ryan explained it to me. I'm 21 years old and you know, I didn't, we got married when I was 24. I'm not quite thinking about having a baby right away. We moved across the country. So it was just sort of something like I always knew, but talk about being naive. Like I just thought, I actually thought, okay, I have to do IVF, but I'll just do it and then it'll be done and then I'll have my baby. But then I did do IVF and that isn't how it worked out. (laughs) So I mean, I know one could prepare you for that. Yeah. It's it's a, we're raised thinking like, and it's still in society. I mean, woman, obviously are the only ones who can get pregnant. So it's kind of our role. Um, but some people don't choose to become mothers. Some people struggle to become mothers and it's, you know, it's ingrained in you in such an early age that this is, you know, you get your period at like 11 years old, like mm-hmm. your body starts preparing you for this role. And when your body doesn't fulfill what it's literally biologically made to do, it's a huge crush. It's a huge it's- crush. What range of emotions did you experience when trying so hard to expand your family, but you were facing complications and obstacles along the way? Well, first off, I want to thank you for saying expand your family instead of start your family. Um, I actually hate the phrase start a family mm-hmm. because I always believe that you and your partner, Mike and I, were always a family with or without kids. You know, it starts be- with us and it's growing your family. It's expanding your family because I don't think that you and Ryan are any less a family because you don't have children. And it, to put that kind of stigma on it that you're not a family until you have kids just that makes everything worse you know it's you're not a family because you can't have children yeah no I appreciate that and I it's something new that I actually learned because um you know people do they affiliate the children as you know Mm -hmm. completing or expanding your family and now you're a family because you've done this but it's like no you're 100% right Ryan and I are a family you and Mike were a family met for many years before you were blessed with Juliet and we're gonna I'm gonna ask you too at the end of this you know, so be thinking about like, 
What other phrases or things do people say that irk you? I'm definitely going to have to, you know, circle back to that because there are some things that maybe we can educate people on who aren't. Oh, yes. And it's a lot of times it's not out of malice. And a lot of things people say are not out of anything mean. It's truly just societal. It's just like how they were, you know, the questions they were asked growing up. And it's just societally like normal, even though we don't think it is. And it's not. Mm -hmm. And so we have to sort of. Because we were just complaining about, you know, how no one has these conversations. So in those people's defense, the ignorant people's defense, we don't have these conversations. So how can they know better? And when you know better, you do better. Yeah. At the end of this, we can go through some of our fave things that we want people to stop saying. I've got quite a list. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you have a few more hours, everyone. Um, Okay. So so back to the question. So So what were the feelings? So as I mentioned, I'm a very type A person. I need to control, I need to plan, I need to set forth, you know, and as much as I've had obstacles, I've had a pretty good life, I, but nothing has come super easy, right, I, even getting, you know, degrees and all that, there was always something in the way, but, you know, I achieved it, so I, you know, I I make a plan, but certain things, you know, I don't get to A to B, you know, there's something in the way, but it was very, very hard to not be able to control if I got pregnant or not, that was, that made me crazy. I did research. I read books. I, I online, everything. I changed everything. I used shampoo, deodorant, shaving cream, cleaning supplies, organic. I did everything. I mean, everything you could think of that you could change. I changed detergent, everything. So that made me insane because I just believed everything I put in my body was toxic. Um, when you're trying to get pregnant and you can't, it literally, like I said, becomes a chore and it becomes something that you have to watch every single thing that you do. You have to plan when you're going to have sex. You have to watch everything you eat, balanced diet, drinking enough water, exercising enough. Literally everything you do affects your fertility. I was worried that, you know, I'd work in the hospital at the time. I was exposed to illnesses. I was worked on a really, really heavy floor where I, you know, had heavy patients. You're turning, you're lifting. Is that causing me to, you know, lose a baby before I, it had been implants? I, it was just emotionally, emotionally exhausting. Um, Just having to worry about everything at all times. I mean, it got to be so bad, you know, when you're a nurse, nurses are amazing. (laughs) They sure are. You you don't, yes, you don't get to take care of yourself. You don't eat, you don't drink, you don't pee. But you also have to put on a bright smile with all your patients and be on for 12, 13, 14 hours every time you're on. So when you come home, you're just exhausted. And when you're going through something like this, you just don't have the energy for anything else. I mean, I remember talking to my mom, she would call and I literally could not answer more than one word answers. I couldn't speak. I was just so exhausted from everything that I couldn't even. Yes. I just, I felt so bad, but I just couldn't be on my days off, you know? And you go through month after month with each failure, you get your period or you take a negative pregnancy test, you hope every symptom you're thinking, is this a pregnancy symptom? Is this a, a, a period symptom? And you know, it, any of your listeners have ever been pregnant or not, but it's the exact same. <laughs> you get your- Exact same, right? Yeah, the, you, the same symptoms of when you're getting your period is when you're pregnant. And I, I it's, so frustrating. It's not. <laughs> but, it's not like you get those cramps 
and you're like, oh, it's over. I'm getting my period because yeah. those cramps could just mean something totally different. And it's like, yeah. you just don't know. And I'm listening you to don't. you describe all the things you changed. And my heart is breaking all over again because you are the type of person, you are action-based, you are solution-based, you are thinking, if there's something in my power, I am going to do it. I am going to change yeah. everything that I have to change because I'm not a quitter, because I don't want to be the reason this isn't working, because I yeah. don't want to quote-unquote fail, even though it's not a personal failure. But of course, we put that pressure on ourselves as women, like you said. Our bodies were yeah. literally meant to do this. We have been societally conditioned to think that this is what we are meant to do. This is our purpose. It's not for everyone. We want this yeah. role. We want this journey. Yeah. Some people don't, and they're disparaged for it, but of course not by people like you and I who understand. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm listening to you be emotionally exhausted at just the yeah. idea of everything you were going through and then physically exhausted because at that time you were a nurse and you know, in the hospital. Like, you're, like you said, yeah. 13, 14 hours on your feet, smiling, taking care of others. No one knew that you were just like literally suffering inside and just a nervous yeah. wreck. It's just, it's so emotionally really put, exhausting. Because yeah. you don't always want to talk about it either. And like, you know, people ask because they love you and they care, but you don't always have the energy to like relive it or to even talk about it. Yeah. You're just, you just want to be alone and sad sometimes. I know. It's <laughs> so true. I, it's so true. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the questions that I asked you when I was sending them to you and I said, well, you know, my story and Jen's are different, of course, but there are some similarities. And like, how would I answer these questions? And Jen, when yeah. I tell you that I literally took pen to paper and all the feelings I felt came so fast out of me, yeah. fear, inadequacy, heartbreak, defeat, sadness, anger, grief, emptiness, stress, disappointment, shame, guilt. I mean, I couldn't believe these just poured out of me. And it's like sounding yeah. like all your experiences, many, many similarities. Um, mm -hmm. You feel all these things and 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 we don't talk about it. So like, what is that expected yeah. to do to your mental health and like to your yeah. insides to be holding this all in? And of course you Absolutely. and I have, we're, we have amazing partners, um, yeah. Mike and Ryan, shout out. Um, yeah. So of course they're <laughs> there for us, but sometimes, right? Like it's so personal and you are so exhausted. Like you were saying, you didn't even, couldn't even muster up one word answer. Sometimes you were so depleted that sometimes they are there for us and they're there to talk mm -hmm. about it. But it's just yeah. so different as the woman going through it, first yeah. of all. And second of all, sometimes you don't have yeah. the capacity to talk about it. It's not for yeah. lack of them being there for us. It's lack of like ability to express it properly. Yeah. And to give yeah. it the space that it deserves. Yeah. You can't, you can't always put into words. Yeah. Too. It's, but th those words are actually really great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're a great way to encapsulate how we felt. They were not a great way to feel. <laughs> No, they were not. And they were not. And they make me all so sad. Yeah. It's just, but that's just, and this is why, too, why we wanted to do, why I wanted to do the life series, why I wanted to have you on, why you and I are always saying, like, this has to be more talked about because, you know, we're in our 30s and there are girls coming up right behind us in their 20s who are right on the heels of this. A lot of them, sadly, yeah. are going to experience this. And I don't want girls. I know girls in their 20s. Some of my older, like, older friends' kids are in their 20s. And mm -hmm. I don't want them to go through that and have no resources, no. have no one no. to talk to, have all these feelings yep. that we said, shame, guilt. No, no one should mm -hmm. be walking around with these feelings. Like you can find any quiz on Facebook. What plant are you? What animal are you? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's That's so sweet. many, so much useless and like silly and frivolous resources out there for yeah. things that like. Why can't Refinery29, and maybe they do, so let me not disparage them, but why can't they have a roundup <laughs> list instead of like, you know, 
top shows to binge mm-hmm. on Netflix? Why can't they have like yeah. top 10 questions to ask your OBGYN when you're having trouble yeah. getting pregnant? What are the next steps? Yeah. You and I are older. We've done this and we still are yeah. like brainstorming questions with one another to ask. Like it's yeah. insane yeah. because there's not some, I mean, and now there are, things are changing in this, in this field and I see yeah. it and I feel it and I see it online and we'll get into that. But I am glad that I'm seeing a movement in this because yeah. I, I just recently asked my mom if she's ever had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And when she answered me and she said to me, no one's ever asked me that before. And she's in her, you know, yeah. I'm not going to say Patty Lou's age. We'll get in trouble here, but yeah, you yeah. do the math. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, no one's ever asked her that. And she has sisters. And I asked her if any of them had miscarriages and she didn't know. Yeah. And it's sad. I mean, that's really sad to me that it was never discussed, you know, at length before when so many women have been touched by this. Yeah. I mean, my mom tried for two years for me and never went to get checked out for what, I mean, it it was just, it wasn't really talked about or promoted to, you know, be an advocate for yourself and, and get information. Right. I think they just assumed that they were like, what did they say? Barren? Like that was just it. Like just one broad crude word to just like gloss over one of millions of different things that it could be. You know what I mean? Like if, if I didn't, you know, if we didn't have the medical advances we have now, I might not know that CF men are going to be 97 to 98% infertile. And maybe I would, maybe when Ryan and I didn't have a baby, maybe I would think it was me, but if there's a a whole umbrella and there's millions of different reasons and and sources um, for infertility. And so to just like back then just gloss over it and just say, Baron, that's just it. Yeah. And like the, the doors closed on that, but now there's just, mm-hmm. it's so different now, which I'm so grateful for all the advances. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so after the miscarriage, it was a whole other range of emotions, right? You of course blame yourself. That's number one. You, even though I am science-based, I am a nurse practitioner. I know that one in four women have miscarriages, whether or not they know it, not everyone knows because it's so early, but it's so common. You still blame yourself. What did I do? And I'm a person who I don't even take a Tylenol when I'm pregnant or I, I, you know, you, you cut out, you take care of yourself, you eat healthy and I try to do everything right. But then you try to figure out what did I do wrong? And I remember crying when the doctor came in and saying, you know, I thought I was taking, I was getting my period. So I took some Motrin and you automatically go to, I caused this. And it's just heartbreaking because it's 99% never the woman's fault. You know, it's nobody's fault. It happens. And that's something that's just so hard and so hard to believe. Um, cause you just want to find a reason why this happened. Um, but I remember just like everything was taken from me in that instant. You know, you have all these hopes and dreams for your family, for that baby. I mean, one of the hardest things is I will never know if I had another son or daughter, you know, I don't know their genders. I don't know their eye color. I don't, I'll never hear them laugh. I'll never watch them take their first step, go to school, all of this stuff, like all of that in an instant goes away. And I remember explaining it to my therapist in a way because she's trying to get me to think positively, (laughs) but, and, and visualize a family. And I said to her, listen, I did that. I visualized that my baby was in our arms at Christmas and it was a photo of the four of us. And in an instant that baby like faded away in that picture, like disappeared and was gone. And that baby would never exist in our family. And that is just there. It's just debilitating. 
I was in a really, really dark place after that. And it took me months to go to a therapist and it, it took a lot for me to ask for help and I should have gotten help sooner. But it was just, you know, I had six baby showers that year. I had, it was just not a, a good, <laughs> my sister-in-law was pregnant. My coworker was pregnant. You just can't escape it. I work in pediatrics. You can't get away from babies and pregnancy. You know, it's, it was, you're constantly reminded of what you don't have. I remember you and, had so many showers around that time. Yeah. And it felt like it was, so much like, like fuel on the fire, like insult to injury. Yeah. It was everything of the sort. It was just, I just remember being like, uh, can't uh, can she just cancel the year? You want to cancel the year. I know. And yeah, you do. In retrospect, there was definitely things I should have done. I shouldn't have gone to all of them. I should have told more people. I should have let people know what I was going through. You know, I, I, uh, my sister-in-law is an amazing person. She's a wonderful, caring, thoughtful woman. If I had told her that we lost a baby, I, I know that she would have been there for me and, you know, not maybe shared every milestone, but I wanted her to enjoy her pregnancy, right? I wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to talk to me, but in retrospect, maybe I should have shared my, my story, you know, to take care of myself. But you know, in the, in the moment you just, I'm used to taking care of people. That's a nurse mentality. That's yeah. how my mom raised me. I was going <laughs> to say, Jen, to do that would have been, well, there's a lot of, a lot to unpack there. First of all, like that's just such your human nature to care for the other person. And sometimes we do that yeah. at a detriment, right? Above ourselves. We're yeah. putting that person's happiness and comfort over our own, you know, to, like we'll just torture ourselves. You know, some, you and I both, I feel have that personality to do that. And you were such mm -hmm. a loving and thoughtful and caring person that you wanted her to enjoy that. So I don't, I don't think like, I know in retrospect they always say that hindsight is twenty twenty, and of course you might've done things differently. But first of all, you were navigating a loss. You were grieving. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. Their healing is just so messy. No one really explains that ever. Messy, messy. Yeah. And yeah. you know, maybe looking back, you would have told her and I'm, she's such a nice woman. And she would have, of course, like you said, not shared as many, you know, every single detail, but she didn't know. But I just don't be so hard on yourself because you're just, you're doing the best you can. And, and that's just all you can do. You're surviving. <laughs> yeah. You, you survive. Yeah. I mean, you, and you continue to survive. I think that's what it is. It's like, even throughout, I mean, the more time out, yes, it doesn't hurt as badly, but there's triggers and that's what you don't expect. You know, um, no one tells you, like you said, no one tells you how to get through this. No one tells you. There's not a manual, right? right. If only. And, and, yeah. And so like, and even in the beginning and then out, you know, you, you, when the due date was coming around or, or, you know, Christmas holidays, the, there's just, no one tells you how to navigate. You said it. Yeah. yeah it's really it's hard. Just, and, and when you're living, like, of course you can look back and say, wow, why, why didn't I do that? Because like now you're, you've become more centered on it. You've had more time distance from it to think about it, to yeah. go to therapy and to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're in the moment, like no one expects you to have any right answers. It's no. just, you know, you're just doing the best know, you, you can. Feel like you, yeah, but you feel like you just good. <laughs> I think well, too, what was like made it so extra hard is that, like you said before, your due dates were very close. And yeah. so I think when, you know, when she was hitting a lot of her um, milestones, it's, of course, like you're, as you're celebrating, yeah. you can't help but think, 
you know, that you yeah. should be in a similar position, right, you know, right on the, the heels of that. And they were mm-hmm. going to be cousins. Yeah. And it's a lot. It's just a lot. That's it. Yeah. It was, that was it too, because like, I didn't grow up with any first cousins. I wanted my kids to be, to grow up. And Juliet has, you know, my niece, they're, they're two years apart. So it's going to be, they're going to grow up so close. And I love that if they ever get to see each other, because <laughs> the virus, that's a whole other problem. That's a whole other, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it was exciting having, like, my kids close together, close in age with, I mean, weeks apart, it would have been wonderful. And, like, you know, it would have been really great. And then when we did tell her, I mean, she was so amazing, so supportive. She was there for me. She's always checking on me. I mean, everything. So, you know, but, you know, you don't don't know what to do in in the time. Yeah, it's so hard. It's just a whirlwind of emotions. And then also, too, like, um, you know, when you – had your miscarriages you were already a mom and so then you have this other layer of you know I have a child and I'm grieving these children and I I feel guilty because I have this child and I want to be a hundred percent here with my child but I'm also a human being who just suffered great loss not once but twice and so how am I going to like you know, merge these two things by being a present mom who's there and like soaking in every minute, yeah. but also allowing myself time and space to grieve, to heal mm-hmm. and to process. How was that? Yeah. How did you balance that? Well, not well in the beginning. The first one, not well. The first one was really tough, obviously, for obvious reasons. But I was also having um, a really tough time at work. It was not the best environment for me. Um, so I was dealing with both those things. I was not present for my daughter. I She would be shouting, mommy, mommy, and I wasn't hearing her. Like, I was lost in my mind, thinking about both things. It was not, I was in a really bad place mentally. Um, and I feel such guilt over that because I wasn't present for her for a lot. And, you know, you're so grateful that you have a baby already when there's people who are having multiple miscarriages and they don't have children. You know, it's, you, you put that in perspective. And a coworker even said, you know, is it harder that to have a miscarriage knowing that you already have a kid and you know what you're missing out on, you know what you lost. And yes, that's definitely hard, but I also had a daughter and that made it everything better. You know, it, she was, and still is my sunshine. You know, she makes me smile when I'm sad. She, she says a little thing and she makes, you know, she takes me out of there, but so she definitely helped me through it. But in the beginning, I was not present for her as much as I should be. And that, that was really tough and that really pushed me to get help. And unfortunately it took months, but, um, it was, it was, it was tough. But you know uh, what, even if it takes months, you know, you get the help when you feel like you need it and you can't go, you really can't go sooner than when you feel that need. And so you went when you were ready and, and, and I'm so glad that you did. Yeah. I, oh, oh my God. I am. We both are. I mean, we've talked about it so many times. Therapy, I truly believe every single person should be in therapy. I really believe that. that. Everyone has stuff. Yeah. I mean, I talk to all my patients, no matter what age, and I try to convince them all of my therapists. Yeah. Because it's just so important. It it definitely has helped me. But yeah, it was, uh, it, it took me too long to get there. No, it took you the time that it needed to take you to get there. And you got there. Yeah. And you've been doing it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. You're I know. Right. And it's like, I encourage anyone and, you know, um, anyone who is struggling or feels like they need help. And I love this quote that says, you don't need to be at your worst to ask for help. 
If you have any no, feeling that it, it would help you, and like Jen and I were saying, I believe that children, I believe that therapy should start at a young age, and it should be just part of society, part of like your schooling. Yeah, you go to school. Like you have to go to the dentist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go for your checkup with the dentist. You go for your checkup to get your physical. You go get. You know, it's mental health is physical health, and I think that's a big misconception that people don't realize is that mm-hmm. mental health is physical health. <laughs> it's part of you. Yeah. And um, yeah. if we could learn at an early age, imagine if you were Juliet's age and starting therapy, just, you know, introductory. And then as you get yeah. older and you face obstacles, which I said at the, at the intro of this episode, is that everyone's going to face obstacles in life. They may look different in everyone's lives, but everyone's mm-hmm. going to face obstacles. And why not have a tool belt full of tools to help you? And, you know, therapy yeah, provides definitely. you with, that, with those tools. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and I, like I say, like, you know, you may always live with anxiety. You may always, I'm always going to live with this heartbreak, but it's like not letting it overcome you or mm-hmm. control your every day. You know, there's, there's, I think about it every day, but it, it's just a small part and it doesn't destroy my day. It, it's, I can live with it. You know, I can function and that's the important part. Absolutely. Not letting it overcome you. Yeah. It can't consume you. You have to just let them come, honor the feelings that you're feeling, and then you have to learn to release yeah. them um, when they're ready yeah. to go. And I think the yeah. beautiful thing about therapy, and you and I talk about this all the time, is like, um, you know, you feel how you feel and your thoughts go the way your thoughts go. But sometimes you can get in like a mm-hmm. circle with yourself and you're on a merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. Or if you're talking to the right. same friend every day or you're talking just to your husband, yeah. you already know yeah. how you feel. Your husband and you yeah. can go back and forth talking about it, but you might just get end up getting mm-hmm. in circles and getting nowhere. But to have like an unbiased, impartial yes. person to sit there whose yeah. job is dedicated to like looking at you, listening to you and like processing what you're saying and then to just from mm-hmm. there offer support, whatever that may look like. Yeah. It's such a beautiful yeah. thing and it's such a beautiful gift that we have that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that you're you know taking advantage of the resources that you have. Yes. I mean, you, we've talked about this one a lot, the ball, ball of yarn picture that I show all my patients that you sent me. And it's for your listeners. It's basically, you have a thought bubble above your head, right? And you have all these pieces of string and they are tangled up and in a mess. And what therapist does is take each of those, it untangles them for you. They're still there. Mm -hmm. They haven't left you. They don't cure your feel, like cure what the issues are, but they, help you manage it a little bit better, like untangle it for you yeah. so you could understand it and understand how to cope with it. So I, I, I show it to all my patients. I love it. I, and I'm going to actually add it to the story again. It actually like merits yes. posting it like once a week, at least on stories, because I mean, everyone just yes. needs that reminder and like shout out mm-hmm. and shout out and all the praise and all the love to therapists who dedicate their lives to helping us sort our thought bubbles and our, you know, balls yes. of yarn. Um, because they make all the difference in our lives, you know? And I just think too, like, I know you and I are similar in this way. We also don't want to like burden people with our yeah. emotions. We don't want to burden people. Like we, even though we're not, and of course people who love us and are there for us will be there for us as much as we need. But you and I are more yeah. like, well, we'll just hold on to it because this is really heavy and I don't want you to have to hold half of it. I'll just hold the yeah. whole thing. Whereas yeah. with a therapist, you don't feel like you're burdening them because it is their job and their profession yeah. um, and their specialty. And they're trained yeah. in it just the way I would want you trained. to be my nurse practitioner for those questions. You want like a, yeah. you know, the best of the best professional in that field. Um, yeah. And another thing that's worth noting for therapy too is if people are looking to start therapy, you don't have to land on the first therapist you find. 
it's it's much like finding friends and it's much like finding a partner that you're going to spend your life with. It's yes. finding someone who's a good fit. That's just also worth mentioning that you don't have to, not all therapists are going to be the same. It's not always going to be a good fit the same way that not every person you meet will be your best friend. That's true. Absolutely. And that's something I actually, you're right. You have to go shopping around. They tell my patients that too. I was lucky to click with my first therapist. I love her. You know, she swears. It's great. Yeah. But that's what you <laughs> I, need to feel comfortable I and do. like real. Yeah. Yes. But I do tell them, like, you may not click with the first person, but I promise you, like, someone is going to, you're going to find someone, and it's so important that you feel comfortable with them, but you may not like the first person that right. you find. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you hit the ball on that, yeah. So you feel like therapy has been a very strong resource in your life and a big help in this journey? Oh, definitely. For two reasons. One, you've already touched, you touched on, both of them, but, like, I was talking to my mom and Mike every single day about it. I was just the same things over and over again. And one, my husband, who is grieving the loss of his children, what is he supposed to do, right? He he can only say so much. He can't act sad and upset because I'm sitting there crying hysterically. And that's a lot on him. And, you know, you feel like you're burdening someone and you're just going in circles. You're saying the same things every day. Um, and, a, I mean, a second re- reason is because, you know, I, I, they're unbiased. They do, they don't know you. You don't have to go home to them at the end of the day and still see them. You could say what you need to say. They don't know anybody involved and you get to go home and you don't have to worry about it. You know, they, they, they don't hear your problems, like I said, but they help you manage them and they can see them in a different light. And she really has opened my eyes to a lot of things, not even just with the the miscarriages, but so much my other baggage. (laughs) She's there for every piece of luggage, not just one. She she is. That's what I love about them. We can talk about this. This is not, but she goes, no, 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 no. Let's tell me about that. Let's unpack this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Two, another thing I love about therapy is like, um, and then this is just turning into a therapy podcast, but it's okay. It's part of it. Um, That's right. Is that, you know, there's no judgment, you know, like you can say some of the worst thoughts you might have or like the saddest, darkest feelings Uh you might have. And if you did say them to your partner, they may hold on to that because they're concerned about their partner. And you may say something like, off the cuff in therapy that just had to get out. And maybe you didn't even feel that way. Maybe it was just a fleeting feeling or a passing thought. But if you did say that to your partner, you might have to have a discussion about it the next day at breakfast. You know, like it's not just going to get. Exactly. But where at therapy, it stays in the room and you, you know, Mm -hmm. you touch back on it when you need to. But, you know, you don't want to put your relationship gets so, well, we'll get into your relationship too, like how your relationship has been affected. But your yeah. relationship is affected whenever you're expanding your family, whether you yeah. have diff- obstacles or not, because it's changing. Your relationship mm-hmm. is changing, whether you get pregnant easily, whether you don't, whether you, oh yeah, you know, your relationship is always changing. And so why add that extra strife and stress onto mm-hmm. the situation? Your relationship is going to weather a lot of storms. And so why not add therapy in to just take some of the storms away from your partnership, you know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. You're right. Because it was such a challenge and a journey, I think you said it was over a year to get pregnant with Juliet. When you were finally pregnant with Juliet and you get past that sort of quote unquote safety zone of the first trimester, were you ever able to, to like be calm and at peace and enjoy the pregnancy or were you nervous and fearful because it was so hard to get there that you were just holding on so tight that, you know what I mean? Like, like how were you able to process the pregnancy? How are you, how were you feeling then? You said after the first trimester? 
Yeah, like, or even just, you know, once you got there and you like, you know, because yeah. everyone's nervous the first trimester, right? Especially yeah, when yeah, it took yeah. you a while to get there. And I'm sure in the future, yeah. even more so after miscarriages. But, you know, at this point with Juliet, you were pregnant and, you know, you yeah. got past the the time that everyone's nervous. Did you yeah. then calm down or did you continue to be nervous because you didn't want to lose that baby? I I think I was very naive. I did, you know, we my, a friend gave me her fetal heart monitor that she had at home. So we were checking all the time, but it was more just like an exciting thing. Once the baby starts moving, you f- I, I felt a lot better because sh- I could feel that she was okay. Um, but I think I was naive. I didn't really think. I thought, oh, you know, if you got sick, maybe you lose the baby. But I didn't really realize about all the other causes of baby and, you know, baby loss, um, you know, late later in the pregnancy. I was worried, but I, I just felt like everything was going to be okay. I really, I was really naive. If I ever get pregnant again, I don't know if I will be able to take a deep breath until the baby's in my arms. Well, you know, know, that's what I was sort of going to ask because with Juliet, yeah. I mean, it was such a journey to get there and like, and no way belittling or taking away from that struggle of that mm-hmm. year and like how that was so difficult. But then you had Juliet and she's amazing and I love her and, and Ryan <laughs> loves her. We love her so much. Um, but now, you know, since Juliet, you've suffered, you know, miscarriages. And so now I am curious, you know, yeah. when you are pregnant again, if the pregnancies will be different. We'll have to sort of like circle back, you know, on your next yeah. pregnancy. But yeah, it's just like you want to be calm and you want to enjoy it. And I'm glad you did with Juliet because being naive sometimes is the best thing ever. Because yeah, it is. <laughs> so you can enjoy stuff and not overthink every single little thing. That's it, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. you know, facing your next, you know, entering your next pregnancy, I'm just wondering, you know, if you've been changed forever now and you're just going to face it differently, you're going to approach it differently, oh, yeah. you think so? It's going to be, oh, yeah. I mean, it's the first trimester is going to be the, the worst but just knowing, you know, what the hematologist said, you know, what are some reasons, you know, with my labs that I could lose the baby later and, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm just definitely not going to be okay until that baby's in my arms. And then that opens a whole other series of anxieties, but it's, it's not going to be okay. <laughs> okay. So Mike, I know you're listening to this episode. So the next time Jen's <laughs> pregnant, we got to get a nine-month spa going somehow at the house. Yeah. <laughs> Masseuse is every week, open, right? facials every week, all oh her favorite gosh. foods. We got to get some some uh, oil diffusers and some Zen music or something because right? we need you to I breathe know. during your pregnancy. Uh, I know, but you know, you can't that. help but be changed, right? I mean, no. I, like I said you before, can't. I was 20 years old when I met Ryan and, you know, mm-hmm knew this was going to be a thing down the line. But now that I've been yeah. through it and been through IVF and been through loss, I yeah. just know that like I'm forever changed. And so yeah, I can't even are. imagine like that you've now done it. You've been like, you're even, even further ahead on this journey and you just can't help it. Change, it like changes who you are. It does. It changes every, I mean, it does. It changes who you are. It's how you approach things, what you think about. But I mean, one day at a time, I guess. That's, that's my mentality. Yeah. Well, speaking of change, how has um, your experience surrounding fertility and family planning affected or changed or bonded your relationship with Mike? Um, so I think for the majority of the parts brought us together. Um, in the beginning, I felt a lot of guilt of not being able to give him a child. Um, he wanted to be a dad so bad. He loves being with his niece. You know, he just wanted a kid so badly right and so I felt like I was disappointing him even though you know there wasn't really a 
anything I was doing wrong, I still felt like, again, it was my role as a woman to get pregnant. Um, but you know, he was wonderful. He, I mean, he never made me feel guilty. He even said, you know, listen, I married you. I didn't marry you with kids. I married you. We're going to have a kid regardless of what way we get there. If we have to adopt, if we have to keep doing these treatments, you know, we'll have a child, but it's, you know, not all on me basically, you know? So that was, that was wonderful. Um, you know, after the, the first miscarriage, I, I know it put a lot of strain on a relationship. I was not obviously in a, a great place emotionally, uh, mentally, but, um, you know, I've been better since then. A lot of things like you said, fall on the woman. So they, they do, it's, I seem to feel like it does affect women more. You know, you're the one who has to get pregnant. You're the one who has to take the meds. You're the one who has to, you know, you are the one that has to get, you know, the symptoms, the pregnancy, all that stuff. You're tracking everything. Oh, do my boobs hurt because I'm pregnant or because I'm, you know, just going to have my period. And then, then, you know, it's, it's everything. So there's a little bit of resentment there, um, in the background that, you know, he just gets to, you know, do the deed and forget about it. And I'm the one who has to go through this whole process and put my body through incredible stress. And again, just gets to, uh, provide a sample so yeah that's a very <laughs> very scientific way of putting it I appreciate yes. your nurse practitioner professional that's skills it. that's it but uh so you know there's a little bit there I mean in the beginning I don't know with the first miscarriage I was definitely taking it visibly harder um he was more like practical like you know miscarriages happen one in four women have miscarriages it wasn't your fault and I was kind of really taken aback that he was so fine but again I think he wasn't like completely upfront with how he was feeling just because he doesn't want to make me upset. Right. Um, but I, I think I need to learn that we all grieve differently as well. Like I'm, I need information. I have been researching everything on IVF where he's like, Oh, well, I mean, I know generally what goes on. And I'm like, how could you go into this major thing? But he kind of trusts the process where I need all the information at my disposal. Like I need to know everything where he's different. So I have to understand that. So I think, I mean, in, in some way he's, we're, I think we're definitely closer because of it. Um, but there are some aspects that aren't, you know, the greatest yeah. going through this. And I was going to say too, you know, I'm just, I, there's this book that I think that, um, all women should read. And really, I think all, everyone should read. It's called the mm-hmm. way, the way men heal. And it's by Tom Golden. Um, okay, I actually yeah. had him as a guest on, um, my boss's podcast because my boss has a podcast about grief and hope and we, we had him on as a guest and his book is called The Way Men Heal and yes. it was very enlightening for me to hear uh, his book is very short very very short mm-hmm. but his um, his ideas on the on my boss's podcast and I'll actually link that episode in because it's worth mentioning um, mm-hmm. that men you know they grieve differently and sometimes I think um, you know again we go back to society conditioning stigmas men aren't supposed to show feelings boys aren't supposed to cry this is, yeah. this is for girls. Girls like pink, boys like blue. Like, yeah. we get this from a very young age. Mm-hmm. And I just think that um, because of that, women are, what's, what's the stereotype? Women are emotional. Women are, you know, impulsive. We're, on, we're getting our period. It's like all like physical, emotional. Men yeah. are more like scientific. Men are more this. Men are more stoic. But that's not true. You're scientific and you're a woman. And like, yeah. You may have men in your family who are emotional. Like, there's really no, um, 
like you can't fall under a stereotype, you know, but I do think generally men, of course, just being different genders, just having different makeups and just even from person to person, everyone grieves differently, like you said, and everyone heals differently. And I think, um, we can't, it's, it's hard not to, because I did the same, you know, I did the same thing. I felt like when I was going through my loss that I was just taking it so hard, but then I'm like, well, I went through a lot of the physical part of it. And then I'm like, but why isn't Ryan taking it hard? But then I realized that he was being strong because I was down. And then I noticed that when I finally came out the other side of the tunnel with my grief, he went into his, and it's almost like he was Mm -hmm. waiting until I was okay for, for me to then help him. And Yep. You just don't know. So like, it's hard not to judge or it's hard not to be like, why aren't you feeling what I'm feeling? And, yes. and why isn't this hurting you as much as it's hurting me? But it, it may be, and it is, and but it's different and it's just hard. It and I think that's another reason why therapy is so good because we can point that yeah. out and not be so mad at our, our partners or disappointed or like feel so distant from them because yes. it's, it's just that or just healing differently and just grieving in a different way. And it's hard to remind ourselves of that all the time. Absolutely. And me and another woman is going to grieve differently. Like no, just even the same sex isn't going to be the same. You know, it's, it's totally different person to person. A hundred percent. Because I know that some women go through a miscarriage and they want to follow every Instagram um, account that talks about that. And they yeah. want to read all, every book about it and how to do it. Mm-hmm. I was the opposite. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't share a lot. I yeah. kept a lot of it in. Not not condoning any of this behavior because I'm letting yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Wasn't helpful. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to come out in different ways. And so mm-hmm. I, I, sometimes, I can't follow those Instagram accounts. Like, I can't yeah. get those constant reminders. I do like that the conversation is opening up. I just sometimes personally, because my experience can't be bombarded by it. I don't want to be caught off guard. I am, I do suffer from anxiety and I do have a tendency to like go dark and I don't mm-hmm. want like to be on a, you know, having a good day and then just be like brought right back down to reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just different, you know, but I'm glad yes, that you yeah. said for the most part, it brought you and Mike together. And of course, the more you go through together, the stronger and more tethered you are to one another. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Mike's the best. He really is. I love I'm Mike. Like yeah. I love him too. <laughs> okay, let's get into some resources. What do you think? Yes. Some resources that have helped you to process and sort your emotions during this journey. We definitely touched on therapy. Therapy. Um, what other resources? I have a few that I'm going to share too, so what do you got? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm opposite from you. I do like following the Instagram accounts that touch it because I need to see that I'm not alone. Right. So, like we talked about, when I... When I found out the baby had no heartbeat and I had to be given this choice, I didn't know what to do. You you hear your friends, some friends have miscarriages, some people are more open about it, but you don't hear the details. So like for me, I didn't walk into the bathroom with the first one and have horrible cramps and bleed everywhere. I had a dead baby inside me, right? And wasn't coming out on its own. So what am I supposed to do? So you, I reached out to a, a friend who I knew had a miscarriage and said, I knew she was going to be fine with me talking and asking her personal questions said listen this is my situation did you go through this and like just being able to to hear someone else's experience um whether you know it wasn't the same but just knowing that someone else went through it hearing it that you're not alone it was helpful um because you didn't know I didn't know what to do I freaked out all weekend because was I giving up on my baby was there a chance that I was wrong with my dates was there a chance that like there could have been a heartbeat if I give it another week? I felt like I was 
just giving up on my child. So I freaked out all weekend and, you know, you try to look things up, but having people to talk to is just really important. Um, but I do like, um, there's a couple of Instagram feeds that I, um, one misconception coach is about people who are dealing with infertility. Um, and she just validates all your feelings as irrational as they seem they're valid. Um, resolve org, um, is another one. Resolve is a, um, infertility, um, foundation. So it's got resources. I has, um, you know, events and, and, and very helpful for infertility. And then Zoe Adele is another one. She deals with infertility and miscarriage. Um, she's had many miscarriages herself. She's been pregnant after miscarriage. She has a few books, another one coming back and she's always posting quotes from it. And I find them extremely helpful it's hard to put into words how you feel and then to see them on screen for me, incredibly helpful. You cry, you, you save them, you read them again. And it's very helpful because it validates that I, my feelings are, are normal. You know, the, the anger that I'm feeling, the jealousy that I'm feeling, the sadness, all of it's normal. Um, there's a bunch of podcasts I listen to. Oh yeah. Um, Tell us those. Yes. Yeah. Those as Wonderfilled Week is one of them, of oh, course. Oh, I've heard of that one. <laughs> yes, my favorite one of all of these. <laughs> but um, two about um, fertility. One is Fab Fertility, and one is Life After Miscarriage. So, you know, people just tell their stories. But Life After Fertility is um, is one they touch upon, um, you know, fertility issues, IVF, what to expect, all those things. So for a woman who, you know, are going to go further with treatment. So those are two that I just listen to for information and not to feel so alone. Um, there was one quote I had found after I, um, the first miscarriage that really helped me, um, was babies lost in the womb were never touched by fear. They were never hungry, never alone. And most importantly, they knew love. Mm. And that's by J. Clark Coates. Love that. So that one, yes, I just kept reading that. A friend of mine did have a miscarriage um, after me. I sent that to her. Um, it, it's something I truly want to believe. You know, I want to feel that for the entire time my baby was with me, I took good care of it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So that, that's been helpful just to, you know, that I didn't uh, fail my baby. Babies. Um other resources, uh, I can't exercise like I used to. I used to be able to go for runs, which really helped. But with a toddler, it's frowned upon to leave them alone. So I can't. Uh... Come on, Juliet. Are you ready for a three-mile run yet? Oh, she just, <laughs> you find her climbing the, the bookcases, and she just wants to find a pretty rock. She's just out of control. But um, I have a punching bag, so that has been very helpful. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. So you get your – and when you – as you know, when you go through IVF, you're not allowed to exercise really more than walking. So it's just uh, something that helps me punch a few times and get my, my frustrations out. So That helps in many areas of life. You might be yeah, punching that just, bag just on a totally different subject. <laughs> exactly. You know, anything you want to do. Frustrated with your boss. That's a great bed. one. Yeah. And you know, guys, that's a good one for quarantine because you can do it, you yes. know, on your, in your backyard or in your house. So you can get one of those, yep. you know, those Bob, those guys you can punch. Mm -hmm. we can, I get might have to order one of those for rye. <laughs> yes. No, I, I think it's really helpful. Just getting, you know, sometimes we just need to punch something. Yeah. You need a release, whether what, like yeah. crying, yelling, punch, like, you know what I mean? Like healthy releases is always yes. key. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So th those things have helped me afterwards and, and now, I mean, it's, 
it's been over a year since the first miscarriage. April would have been the uh, the anniversary, mm-hmm. and it was you know you still I still need it. You know, um, I mean even though my last miscarriage was in October, it was a while ago, but you still need it every day. You know. Well, what they say, I just, um, I go back to my boss's podcast a lot because it is about grief. And he had on an author mm-hmm. today and she said something that it was so simple, just but yet so profound. She said, grief is a, grief lasts a lifetime. You know, yes. you can lose someone. Um, I have a friend who sadly her mom was murdered when she was a, a baby. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's now in her, she's now a full grown adult of her own, mm-hmm. married. Um, and of course it happened when she was a baby, but do you think mm-hmm. her grief has dissipated at all? No, she's finding coping mechanisms. She's dedicating her life's work to to honoring. And, you know, grief is not just like, oh, it happened a year ago. And, and now, you know, you should be okay. You should yeah. be better. You're still sad. Yes, grief lasts a lifetime. When she said that today yeah. on the podcast, that really struck a chord with me. I was like, wow, so simple yeah. but so true. It is, absolutely. I mean, there's there's triggers you don't even see coming. I mean, I every time I see a big sister shirt when I'm shopping for my daughter, it's mm-hmm. like it literally takes my breath away because – I mean, that's, it's just something stupid, but it really hits me every single time. It's, it's unbelievable. You just can't, you can't, ex- I mean, you can't escape pregnancy announcements. I mean, I've tried staying off social media just to, you know, avoid constant, you know, baby bumps and all that, but you can't, you can't get out of it. I mean, I work in pediatrics. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I have to say, you know, um, yeah, the, the baby announcements, I, it, we live in duality, right? Like yeah. I, we're so excited for the person because if we're following them on Instagram, oh. they're our friend and we love them. They're our family member. And of course, you know, and I'm not even going to say 50-50, you're 100% excited for them. But you're yes. also 100%, it, it like pangs your exactly. heart, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you can live in that duality where 200% exists because yeah. grief really knows no bounds in that way. You can be 100% happy and excited for someone and 100% heartbroken. Yeah. Those, both, those mean- things coexist. Yes, they, they do, 100%. I mean, you're never going to be upset for someone, have you know, being pregnant. But it's like, well, like I, I told you, right, about – so one of my patients' um, mom is, is pregnant due when my second baby should have been due. And it happened to be – she got pregnant um, – found out she was pregnant two days before her husband's vasectomy. Oh it's like, well, gosh. that's not fair. Yeah, that, that stings in a different way. Yeah, because yeah. your baby was supposed to be due the same time my babies do, but my baby died, and you didn't really plan on this. Like, how is that okay? And, like, that's something you can't prepare yourself for. You can't. You're constantly going to have triggers like that. And how do you respond? Like, I was like, I don't even know what my face looked like. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I got to watch my face. I, I my face is telling face. stories sometimes. It's dangerous. Right? Oh, you, But, you oh know, it's God. not anything to that person. And, you know, grief and, and loss – and miscarriage and all of this, it'll do something to you. And anyone who's experienced this is probably nodding along with us right now because it'll do something to you that it makes you think things that you would never otherwise have thought. Like you don't want to be like angry or disappointed toward this person. You don't want to like judge anyone and say like, you didn't even want this baby. And now you get like, I have caught myself so many times like with friends or family members who have pregnant unexpectedly and unplanned and don't want it. Yes. And I have to really say to myself, Caitlin, you have to get mm-hmm. it together. Like, don't come out mm-hmm. of your character. Don't let your grief and sadness bring you outside yeah. of who you are. Yes. And that's something that's, that's yes. hard because I'm not a mean person. We're, we're not mean people. We're not judgmental or hateful or hurtful people. 
but yeah. grief will do something to you. Anger is on that yeah. list of emotions. Anger is at the top of the <laughs> list. I mean, yes. you can't help yeah. it. Yeah, and that's after the second miscarriage, Mike even said to me, like, are you okay because you seem okay? And I was like, I'm just angry. Yeah. I am angry. Like, right now, I mean, I'm grieving, but I'm really angry mm-hmm. that I can't even, like, before where it was, like, sadness and grief and devastation it was just anger yeah and you and what i learned is that but every feeling is valid you're allowed to be jealous a hundred percent allowed to be jealous you're totally allowed to be angry with the situation and disappointed and all those feelings as irrational as they may seem are completely valid and but you're right you can't it's it's not always the place to express those feelings. Right. I mean, of course, you're, it's all valid and you're allowed to feel it all. It's how you respond and react and, and approach yeah. people once yes. you have those feelings. This is, sorry, this is the perfect time to just chime in with this that I was going to read at the end, but it just seems like yeah. a perfect time to read it now. Great. It says, it's a quote, and it says, Your trauma is valid. Even if other people have experienced, quote, worse, even if someone else went through the same experience and doesn't feel debilitated by it, even if it, quote, could have been avoided, even if it happened a long time ago, even if no one knows, your trauma is real and valid and you deserve a space to talk about it. It isn't desperate or pathetic or attention-seeking. It's self-care. It's inconceivably brave. And regardless of the magnitude of your struggle, you're allowed to take care of yourself by processing and unloading some of the pain you carry. Your pain matters, your experience matters, and your healing matters. Nothing and no one can take that away. I love, love that. that. I was like, oh my gosh, want to send it to Jen, but totally going to surprise her on the pod with it. I 100%, 100% agree. Isn't that so true? Yeah, you can't compare yourself to anyone and your your feelings matter no matter what. And you can't be so hard on yourself. I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I have to keep telling myself. And I think you're pretty similar in that way. Like we take it on and we're hard on ourselves. Yeah. Um, What advice would you give to others who are struggling and losing hope or maybe feeling alone and lost right now? Acknowledging all your feelings because they're all valid, like I said. Um, just looking back, avoiding uncomfortable situations. Did I need to go to all those baby showers? No. I mean, I, you know, I was, I canceled a lot of things. I refused to, not refused. I, I did not, you know, turn down a lot of invitations to things. I was not in a place where I was going to want to pretend to be happy, right? We canceled a birthday party that we were going to, you know, adult 40th birthday party way after the second miscarriage. We weren't up to pretending to be happy, right? You know, I, I said to my, you know, I was supposed to meet up with two girlfriends that were pregnant and I told them, you know, I had a stomach bug. Really, I just found out I was uh, miscarried, my first baby, and did not want to see two pregnant girls. It was literally that weekend. And I should have just said the truth, but I didn't want to make them feel bad because they were pregnant. You know, it was putting everyone else's feelings before my own. And I do regret that because, I mean, my my friend Katie yelled at me. She was just like, you have to stop putting everyone's feelings before your own because you're just destroying yourself. You're you're not taking care of yourself. And she was right. It's so true. Like self-care yeah. people always assume is face mask, getting a massage, you know, yeah. exercising to take care of it. But that's that's not the only way self-care uh, exists. It's also taking yeah. care of your insides, protecting your yeah. own feelings, treating yourself. And this is something you and I both have to do. We need to treat ourselves the way we would treat each other. Yeah. 
Because you wouldn't be that hard on me, and I wouldn't be that hard on you, but we do it to ourselves. No, we we absolutely do. You know? Absolutely. So I'm going to say to you, and you say to me, don't treat my best friend like that. Don't do it. Don't do it, girl. You're 100% right. You're right. I, and I give this advice to everyone, right? You, you, I spend all day telling people what to do, and I can't tell myself. I can't follow my own advice. But you're, you're 100% right. That's the hardest um, thing is following advice. We could sit here and give all the advice in the world to other people struggling, but we got to take it. Yes, you know? I know. I know. And, I mean, I'm, I'm slowly learning. I'm slowly, you know, pulling in the reins and knowing what I can handle, what I can't handle, saying no to the appropriate stuff. But, you know, it's, it's being honest with people. Um, again, what you can handle. I can't. I, holidays were really bad. Um, I, I mean, again, it sounds horrible because I have this beautiful daughter and I love the holidays with her, but it was a holiday that was missing my child. Um, and I was grieving that and I did not want to pretend I was okay. So I, I avoided certain places and certain invites because I was just not okay. And I didn't want to have to pretend I was okay. I was exhausted for pretending I was okay on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving. I was not okay. So I acknowledged what I could and couldn't handle. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. And I think that's like really stellar advice for others. Like don't take on what you can't handle. Don't push yourself. And it's better to just err on the side of caution. If you think you're going to be triggered or if you think it's going to be too much, always just go be on your own side. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike and I are known for not doing much and leaving <laughs> places at nine o'clock. That's just how we are. But, uh, so not much was, was different. I don't think people thought much of it, of it and what we were. It wasn't <laughs> like alarming to others around you that you were. No, but there was a true reason behind it. I just, I couldn't be around people. I couldn't pretend I was okay. Especially yeah. in the beginning. Oh, and another quote that you and I always love and, and say to each other is, um, be gentle or be kind. Cause you never know what other people are going through. And yes, so, you know, if you yeah. have a friend that's leaving the party early, instead of giving them a hard time and calling them a grandma, maybe they're going yeah. through something and just let people yeah. live their lives without judgment as best as we can. A hundred percent. I think you posted it. I know my sister-in-law, Jen, posted it. It's like this huge like thing and like what you know about what the person's going through is a small sliver and you cannot judge them for the little bit of you know about them because Absolutely. people hide a lot for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And that's... Yeah, no, so that's that's something. Um, another thing I would definitely say with people is honor your baby in any way you want to. You know, I struggled a while trying to figure out what I wanted to do to honor my, my children that I lost because I still consider them, of course, they're still my children, right? I never got to hold them in my arms. I never got to meet them, but I they're still my kids, right? Um, so I have a picture frame. I was able to get um, the ultrasound for the first miscarriage um, you know, I, I didn't ask the first time when I went back for the second, the ultrasound I insisted on to just make sure that this baby was not going to survive. Um, I did ask and I was very happy I did. So I have an uh, ultrasound picture frame and the frame says, we will hold you in our hearts until we can hold you in heaven. Oh, so, so sweet. So something so that hard. we can honor the baby. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was considering planting a tree in honor of my children, but, you know, we just keep cutting down trees, so I didn't know if that was going to be a great idea. <laughs> and we and can't do anything right now, so. No, we can't. We can't. But, Jen, but, uh, you're honoring your babies by being on this podcast, talking about them, loving them, telling your whole entire journey about them. They're part of your life, and now they're forever going to be in this episode, and that's 
One of the things I love about doing this podcast, I know I've recently had my parents on and I got to hear their love story. Um, I want, this is why I want to do the life series. I want to hear people's stories and, and people go through things and it's damn hard. And if we can like, you know, memorialize that and put it in a little time capsule and be able to look back and listen to these episodes long, you know, long after the experience, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Cause you can remember how you felt and you can hear the love in your voice for your children and you are honoring them. Even amid a pandemic, you're finding a way. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I have a few resources, too, that I wanted to share, actually. Um, yes. There's a book that just came out, and it's written by Amy Klein, K-L-E-I-N, and it's called The Trying Game. And actually, the reason that this is, like, um, I wanted to mention it is because she was it just came out, and um, she had all these plans to, you know, go on a book tour and be able to really talk about it and open up a line of dialogue with women all over the country. And of uh-huh. course, now given the shelter in place order, she's she had to cancel her tour. But if we can, you know, if anyone is looking for literature on this subject, this would be a great person to support, um, Amy Klein, because she's been doing this for years. She used to write for the New York Times about this subject, and now she put it into a book called The Trying Game, and it's just all about her journey. And I think it even says, let me get this right. I have the book cover here. It says, The Trying Game, getting through fertility treatment and getting pregnant without losing your mind. And like that just jumps right out at me like our kind of girl. Yeah, just ordered on Amazon. Yeah, so (laughs) in, in looking up and learning about Amy Klein, I learned about a podcast called Infertile AF. And anyone who doesn't know what yeah. AF is, is infertile as F, you see Yeah. Um, so Infertile AF with Allie Prado. And actually, she's a Brooklyn-based journalist. And she just had Amy Klein on talking about her book, The Trying Game. Perfect. But it got me into her podcast. And the thing I like about Infertile AF, the podcast, is it doesn't just touch on fertility or infertility. It doesn't just touch on IVF or IUIs. It talks about everything having to do, like egg freezing, sperm donors, the money issues that go into it, how expensive it is, adoption, surrogacy. She has a wide scope of guests. And her Uh whole MO with her podcast, every episode title is just the woman's name. The woman who's going to be on. This one would be called Jen. And it's just taking a slice of life of these people's journeys, whether it's surrogacy, adoption, being a surrogate, IVF, IUI, there's something for everyone. And I just think Mm -hmm. that's like such a great, um, you know, use of her time and a beautiful work for her life to do. And, you know, she went through IVF. Um, She is a mom. And, but she knows, you know, she doesn't just, she didn't just become a mom and forget. You don't just forget, like you're living proof of that. You don't just forget. You remember everything, every part of your journey. And she wanted to honor other women. So I just think that's a great podcast to check out if you're interested in learning more about this topic in Fertile AF. And the Perfect. book, The Trying Game. So those were both good Excellent. good resources, too. Thank you. Um, another thing I wanted to say is um, in terms of, well, I'll ask you this, and then I'll, I'll get into that. Um, okay. So what do you hope people will take from you sharing your story? Um, really that, a couple of things. If you experience miscarriage, experience infertility, you are not broken. It is just like saying you have any other chronic condition. There is, is a medical issue, but you are not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. Um, this is something that is a part of you. Um, all your feelings are valid. Again, every feeling. It doesn't matter what it is. It's valid. You're allowed to feel it. You can't compare yourself to someone else. You can't say that other people have it worse because someone's always going to have it worse. But you are allowed to feel what you need to feel. There's no timeline for grief. And it's going to come in waves. 
I find myself some days I'm just sad. I'm having an off day. I cry in the shower. I, I cry in the car. But there's some days that I am so happy. I'm great. But it, there is no timeline. If you think you should be better, you're probably wrong. There is no set time for what you should be able to, quote unquote, get over it. I don't believe you ever get over it. You don't it get over it. You just learn yes. to live with it. Yes, that's it. You learn how you don't let it control your life. And it's okay if it controls your life for a little bit, right? But I think just sharing my story, I, I hope that other people don't feel so alone. Um, that they know that it, it as common as it is, it's still not easy. But hearing other people's stories have helped me. Because just hearing how they've felt and how they've coped with it made me feel like, oh, I'm not crazy. Because that's what you think, like what is wrong with me and you're not crazy every feeling that you have matters and every feeling is completely rational even though it may seem irrational it's 100 percent um, true yeah you know if if people are listening to this and they haven't experienced infertility and miscarriage just knowing to reach out but don't say the cliches that we'll talk about yes let's jump into that yeah. let's jump into the yeah. cliches because this is a perfect yeah. segue because you know, we are we are speaking to the women who um, most likely, if you're listening to this episode, you have experience with this, so you know. You're yep. with me and Jen. You got it. But for people who are not, you know, have not experienced this, we just want to give you a rundown of, as people who have some things that are hurtful to us or some things that we just got to remove from society. So yeah. why don't you start? Um, so I hate everything happens for a reason. Oh. I hate it. But oh. that goes for miscarriage that also goes for when people pass away please stop saying that yes. people oh my god anything that happens. what is the reason car accident cancer nothing nothing yeah. i yes you may be able to find down the line that this happened so a b and c but because it made you a stronger person it made you appreciate regardless there is no reason that a baby should die there's no reason that any bad thing should happen right so that's not comforting because if you can tell me that there is a good reason that my baby died, I I don't want to hear it. Right. Because I can't think of it. Yeah. I don't like, um, oh my God, when are you having a baby? You've been married for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never thanks. Because, yeah. you know, you're not going to get an answer. Like, I don't know what people are really 100% expecting me to say. Like, because yeah. you're, if you've been, Ryan and I have been married for eight years. We don't have children. So yeah. when you're asking me that, you're either opening, are you re- are you ready to open the line of communication for me to tell you, you why, or or people are just going to meet you with, A, it's none of your business, B, I'm having fertility problems, or C, I don't want children. And that is some yeah. people's answer, and that yeah. is some people's truth, and they should be entitled to feel that way without judgment, or like you asking me about my medical history and my medical future. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do people think, exactly, what do they think they're going to What's the answer going to be that's not going to make them uncomfortable? Yeah. It's, it's never going to. Those people are always going to be end up being embarrassed because I know, yes. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've had it go a few ways. I've had people say, oh, do you have children? And I say, no. And they say, oh, you don't want them. And sometimes I, it's easier to say no. And it's just a lie. Yeah. And it's so painful. Yeah. And it feels like, like a razor slicing your tongue as the word comes out of your yes. mouth. Um, but it's just the easier answer sometimes. No, yeah, we don't want children. Well, I mean, I it, you're exactly right. I mean, and some people I don't think deserve to know my my story. Right. I don't think you deserve to delve that deep into me. Right. And feel my emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And then one time, um, 
it was expe- I, I stopped doing that the lie a mm-hmm. because it wasn't it wasn't true it didn't feel good to say it or do it it just ended the conversation faster but then yeah. one day it didn't end the conversation faster and this is the very last time I, I did that lie um, I was picking up the kids from school. I'm a nanny. Um, you know that. And everyone else knows that too, but just anyone who's tuning in because they're going to be like, you just said you didn't have kids. Um, I was picking up the kids from school and one of the like grandpas was picking up their grandchild and they were yeah. like, oh, you know, she's your daughter, you know, because we're a different race and like, you know, maybe yeah. the age didn't add up, but like even still it did and it was none of his business and he doesn't know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. could have easily been my child. But I was like, oh, no, I'm her nanny. Oh, do you have children? No. Do you want children? No. Just to, like, be done. I'm doing school pickup. Yes. I'm working. We got to go. We have sports. Yeah. Um, oh, you don't? <sighs> you'll change your mind on that. When you get a little older, you'll, change, you'll want them. So this is like an old man telling me yeah. with my <laughs> fertility. Your like, feelings. Yeah, yeah, my feelings towards fertility. So after that, I was so upset and angry because we know the way they come in waves. But I was like, what am I going to do? Like berate this old man at the school and like embarrass him and like maybe see him tomorrow when I come back. B, like make the child that I'm with feel uncomfortable because I just like flipped out. Or do I just like bite my tongue like we do and just go? And I was just like, haha, maybe. But I just remember like coming home, like this is like several hours later, like maybe eight hours later, coming home that night and just being like, oh my gosh, that that was like a knife right through me like and I've been it was almost like I got stabbed at 2 p.m. at school pickup but I didn't get to like bleed until 10 p.m. when I got home like he stabbed me and I had to like wait to react I came in I don't even think the door was shut before I burst into tears and Ryan was like what the heck happened and I was like when I explained it to him he's like oh my gosh you've just been holding on to that all day since like 2 p.m. school pickup and I'm like yes and I'm like why do people do that and he's like because they don't know better and I'm like well they're going to know better. I'm going to leave a little mark on this world, and this is what we're doing yep. with this episode. I'm going to find him tomorrow <laughs> at the pickup, and I'm going to talk You're going to learn. Um, learn. I know today. it's – yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's just – Well, it's also not fair to your children, the babies that you you didn't get to birth and raise, right? It's it's not fair. It's kind of pretending they never existed and never mattered, yeah. right? Um, I mean, I've resorted to just saying, you know, life doesn't always work out as planned. So that's a that's, be- that's actually a beautiful way to say it, and I may adopt yeah. that because yeah. I was reading on some of my like Facebook groups. Girl, girls are like, you know, I'm 30 and I don't want kids. Like, tell me your best like snarky answers to reply to the next person who asks me. Yeah. And sometimes those are funny. They don't sit right with me from my personality type to do those. Yeah. Um, but I can sometimes feel like I would do want to say those things to those people. I like, know. Ugh. I think it's a case by case basis. Yeah. Feel it out. Yeah, like the old man explaining to me that one was rough. Like, yeah. <laughs> and some, you know, mom at the school is really nice. And she's like, you're so good with kids. Like, do you want kids? She's just yeah. coming from a place of, you know, love and curiosity. And mm-hmm. But I just think in 2020, like, come on, guys. Like, I think we got to retire, like, delving into people's personal lives. Like, would you ask them, like, yeah. how much money do you have in the bank? Would you ask yeah. them, like... You know what I mean? Like, what's your family's history mm-hmm. of, like, cancer? Like, you wouldn't ask these questions. So, like, yeah. I don't know why this is such, like, game. Like, I don't know why it's, like, a lot, yeah. like, fair game. Like, people think they have the, the um, audacity. Right. And like yeah. I said before, and I'm not, right. like, trying to disparage these people, because, like I said, like, 99% of the time it comes out of just conversation well, and yeah. society. And I try to think of it as, like, oh, these people think I would be a good mom. Yeah, that's so, a nice spin. Yeah. It's a nice – it's the way I try to think of it, because – Otherwise, it would just be bad at the world because yeah. <laughs> we don't want to do that. 
We don't. Um, well, I love that we're opening up this conversation. I just want to shout out um, to whether, however you feel about celebrities and celebrity culture in Hollywood, I have to say one good thing that I've been noticing a lot of in the last few years is celebrities opening up about their infertility journeys. Yes. Um, I know Anne Hathaway, when she did her birth announcement, those can give us a little pang sometimes, but she put it right in yeah. there in the description, mm-hmm. in, her, in her caption, like, shout out to anyone who's going through it. It sucks. Yeah. Like, she really acknowledged it. She didn't just, yeah. like have a happy like it's all working out for me like she just mm-hmm. really like acknowledged it, it took it. a lot to get this yeah yeah um I know Gabrielle Union in her book um we're gonna need yes. more wine she discusses having I think I want to say nine miscarriages I think at least that much if yeah. not more yeah yeah and so it's just like but being so open and transparent is just so beautiful Julianne yeah. Huff talks about having endometriosis Shay Mitchell um, when she was doing like a year-end review, put up the ultrasound mm-hmm. and, and honored her baby that way by saying like, yes. I was supposed to do this this year. And then however you feel about the Kardashians, they do, they did just do an episode about freezing your eggs. And while you may d- agree or disagree with how the Kardashians run their life, I think it's so great to bring awareness to situations yes. like that and to normalize. Cause you know, in this world, sadly, when a Kardashian does it, it becomes a little bit more normalized. We've seen it, and yeah. people will accept it. So you know what? Thank you, Chloe, for freezing your eggs yes. and, and for you know televising it. I see it on a couple of other reality shows, too. I know they, they, mm-hmm. they do that storyline a lot, and I think that's beautiful yeah. because before people may have done that in private, or they may not have done it yeah. at all, or maybe they didn't even know you could do that. And now it's mm-hmm. like opening up conversations. And so yeah. however you feel about Hollywood, you have to – there are some good elements, right? Yeah. I um, I don't know if you know about – um, James Vanderbeek, Dawson's Creek yes. guy. Yes. So he, a while ago, even before, I know he recently had a mis, him and his wife had a miscarriage. Um, they do have, I think, five kids. Yes. And um, she was, I think, pretty far along. Like she told yes, people. They, he po- I follow him and he posted, this is the longest and he almost, I think she almost passed. Like mm. she was seriously, um, she was hospitalized. But um, I think they've had a few miscarriages throughout their their relationship and he has tried to change the word miscarriage because it implies that the woman did something wrong like she miscarried the baby she did something to she carried wrong you know and that has spoken volumes to me because it's like I said it's 99% not anything the woman did it was a chromosomal thing it was something was wrong and he said, this is not the right word for it. They they shouldn't be put on blame. They shouldn't feel guilty about a pregnancy ending, you know? I mean, you need an egg and a sperm to make a baby. So mm-hmm. it's not the woman's fault. No, you know? I never... Baby. Yeah, I didn't realize that he had said that. I remember he was, yeah. like, on Dancing with the Stars, and I think he yes. left right after. And I remember yeah. that it did make news. And I'm, you know, as painful and devastating as it is, I'm glad it made news so that it was a conversation yes. to be had. But, you know, I actually don't use the word miscarriage when I talk about myself. Yeah. I never have. I always say loss, my loss, my loss. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe it just, like, sub, like subliminally wasn't sitting right with me. But, like, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. he's so right. He hit the nail on the head. And, like, like it spoke volumes to you. It's speaking volumes to me as well. And, and we do yeah. need a new word. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, society needs to change. I think it's heading there, like you said. But we just need more conversation um, this podcast is definitely going to help Absolutely. opening, you know, opening the doors, letting people know that, you know, you're not alone. Um, this happens more than you think, but it doesn't make it easier. And, you know, it, there's, there's resources to turn to. You don't have to sit there crying in, 
in your bathroom. Absolutely. And we're, we're leaving our mark, right? We're doing our part yes. to open the line. That's right. So Jen, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and being so open, honest, and real. I know it is not always an easy conversation to have, but it is a powerful one. And I know that by sharing your story, you will inspire others to shed, shed their feelings of shame, guilt, inadequacy, and embarrassment and own their story. I encourage anyone who is feeling alone in their grief and heartache to open up to a trusted friend, a family member, or a medical professional, like we said, um, who can lend a listening ear. I encourage everyone to check out the aforementioned resources that we provided for you because they've brought Jen and I a lot of comfort. Um, Jen, you're an amazingly strong person, a selfless and loving mama bear to Juliet, and my very best friend. And I thank you so much for being with me today and trusting me to properly tell and share your story with the world. Um, I look forward to watching you grow as a mom and an advocate. And in addition, as if I didn't respect and couldn't thank you anymore, Jen's also an NP, as we mentioned, so she's kind of like amazing. So sorry that my best friend rules. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, but well, I love you so, so much. much. Yes. I love you. Thank you for having me and letting me share my story. Of course. Um, I'm honored to be on this podcast. Um, you know, it's my favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but thank you for letting me start off your um, life after uh, series. Series, thank you. Absolutely. Yes. See, we just finish each work. other's sentences. Look at us. That's it. That's no, 15 years of friendship, baby. Love you so much. Thank I love you. you. Kisses to Juliet.